So this week we are working through a, a series. We started last week with a series that everything ends with in love. And so last week was build up in love. And this week is live in love. And so uh, just in thinking, in thinking about what, what, what that means, um, what that means for us uh, and, and, how, and how that works out in community, and so, you, if you weren't here last week, or, or if you don't remember, we're, we're looking at um, the letter to the Ephesians, and if you remember, every letter in the Bible, every, every letter that's written to something, if it's Ephesians, Colossians, Romans, it's a letter written to that, to a community, to a church community, not just to the city or whatever, it's to, there's a congregation there, so would, something could be the letter to Westminster, you know? So this is the letter to the Ephesians, um, or the letter to the WPCers. I don't know. I don't know what it would be for us, but the letter to the Ephesians. Ephesus, again, was a port city, uh, which meant that, that there were lots of foreigners there. Lot, it, was, it was very cosmopolitan, as I talked about uh, last time. So there have been people of, people of varying uh, beliefs and faiths, probably, probably people of, of lots of different colors, um, you know, from the east, from the south, from the west, from, from, from the known world would have been coming there to trade. And so this is a very, um, in, in many ways, somewhat unique uh, city uh, for the time. And so there's a, there's a community there, and we believe that it is made up of, of, of Jews and Gentiles who are, now, who are now seeking to practice the Christian faith, who are, who are following Jesus. And and so there are probably some issues there, as you can imagine, bringing two different, two two folks who are very different culturally uh, together. How how difficult that might be. I, I mean, just for example, if you look around the room here, predominantly uh, the skin color is something akin to mine, right? If you go downstairs a little later the skin color is going to be something much more akin to Lolita's. We're, we're still very divided uh, in, our ch- in our churches and congregations, and, and I believe some of that is, yes, prejudice, and yes, racism, all those, those bad words, but I think some of it is culture. We, we often like to worship quite differently. We express ourselves quite differently. And, and you know, uh, the frozen, chosen Presbyterian white folk, we, we, you know, we get a little, we get a little anxious about some of that more, more, you know, Holy Spirit rolling kind of stuff. Um, and so anyway, just, just saying that, so imagine then bringing Jews and Gentiles together who have, who may, maybe they look somewhat similar, but they have very different cultural backgrounds. So, so Paul is writing about that and, and in, this, in this section that we're going to read today, he's very much giving, it feels like, prescriptives about behavior, and we're going to walk through that and about what that means to live in love. So we start with verse 25. So then, putting away falsehood, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors. For we are members of one another. Now, remember, here he is pretty much specifically talking about those people within this church community. 
So we might extrapolate to the larger community, speak the truth to our neighbors, but, but here he is being pretty particular about writing to them in terms of their behavior with each other in the church community, just so you know. I think we can extrapolate out that this would, it, it's good behavior in all of our lives, but I just want to make, make note of that. Be angry. Didn't know that was in the Bible, did you? Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not make room for the devil. (laughs) Thieves must give up stealing. Rather, let them labor and work honestly with their own hands so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up. Remember last week's message? Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up, as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit, with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander, together with all malice. And be kind to one another. Tender hearted. Forgiving one another. As God in Christ has forgiven you. Therefore, here it is. Be imitators of God. As beloved children. And live in love. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So there's the reading. All right, so who, so who in here had ever, as a, as a child, um, I mean, clearly you saw it on, on the picture that's going around, uh, who, who, whoever played dress up? Right, you, you dress, you 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 try to dress like someone you knew, or or you put on your your dad's clothes or your mom's clothes, or you know the. I mean, who who has who has does anybody's parents or do you have pictures of of your kids in, in like wearing mom's big shoes or dad's big boots and tromping around and, and and whatever? Yeah, yeah. I think I think I think it's a common uh, a common thing that children children in some ways literally want to see if they can fill the shoes of their parents or of, of, of adults that they, that they look up to. Um, and what a, and what a wonderful, what a wonderful thing to, to think about that, that, that we might have been the kinds of parents or might have had the kinds of parents that we actually wanted to try to fill their shoes, that they were, that they were good to us, that they cared about us. Um, that sort of thing. Not, not everybody had those kind of parents, just to be real honest. And there are a lot of people who would never want to try to fill those kinds of shoes. So let's be honest about that. But, but a lot of us, a lot of us um, have, have, played, have played dress up, have, have done, that, done that sort of thing. In the, in the Bible here, in this scripture, um, the word for, for imitate is mimetes, which is where we get the word for mimic. Or mimetic is, if you're being mimetic, you're, you're, you're seeking to imitate uh, someone else. 
And actually, one of the, one of the best ways to, to learn a new skill is to seek to imitate what other people have done well, to break it down and then seek to imitate what they've done well until you can find your own way, until you find your particular way uh, of doing it. That's why we have school. That's why we have, that's why, you know, it used to be apprenticeships, and we, we were trying to, I think we're moving back to that now, apprenticeship, you know, uh, if you were, if you wanted to be a woodworker, uh, like my friend Paul here, you know, you would go, you would go spend years with Paul, and he would show you. He would show you how to care for the tools. He'd make you sweep the shop, and he'd make you vacuum the shop, and then he'd make you sweep the shop again, and then he'd... <laughs> You know, and then he, and then maybe he'd let you touch, uh, you know, a tool, and then he, and then he'd show you how to care for it. You know, and then maybe he'd give you a little, a, a little scrap piece of wood to, to maybe do something with. You know, and and and, and he put his hands on your hands to show you exactly what it felt like and show you how smooth it was. That sort of thing. That this this mimicking, this apprenticing, and so Paul here says, "Be imitators, mimic God, mimic God." Well, why, why would we even want to do that? I mean, what, for, these, for these folks in Ephesus, what, what was that about? Well, for them, uh, they, did not live, they did not live in a time when, when there was any expectation, and it's somewhat like now, I think, where there, where there was any expectation that they would become Christian, I mean, Christianity was on the, on the outskirts of, of rationality and, and sanity because the, the, you know, the, the other accepted things were, you know, whatever the accepted Roman religions were, which probably we would, have, we would call today paganism of some sort. Um, funny, just as an aside, you know that the, the early Christians were actually called pagans uh, because that because everybody else worshipped multiple gods for the most part, except for the Jews. And so the, so the Christians were seen as these weirdos, and they were the ones who were called pagans. Isn't it interesting how then when Christians get in power, they flip that on everybody? Uh, Got to be careful about when you get in power what you, what you do. But uh, anyway, so, so, they, so, they, so they've come through, they've come through this, this change. They've come through this. They've been invited into this community, and they've become part of this community. And so now they're learning... They're learning how to be that because before, and probably in the religions that they've been in before, even in Judaism, um, it doesn't necessarily say be imitators of God. Uh, in Leviticus it says, you will be holy because I am holy, but it doesn't necessarily be imitators of God. Uh, in the, in the, in what, again, I'll go back to the word. In the pagan religions, um, you don't want to be like the gods. You wanted to avoid their wrath, basically. You wanted to try to get in their good graces by giving them as many sacrifices as possible so that they would not um, smite you and leave a grease spot where you were last found. Uh, the, the, the gods were not, the, the gods were just these impetuous, screwed up um, human beings writ large. They, they just did horrible things and basically you just, as a human being, you just wanted to get the heck out of their way. So why would, you would, didn't want to imitate them. You wanted to have their power, perhaps, but you didn't want to imitate them. So when these folks came through, um, came through the process to become Christian, and we call that now catechesis or teaching, 
a catechetical experience. Um, what they would do is then on, on Easter vigil, which is the Saturday night before Easter, they would have, at some point in time in history, maybe not right when this was happening, but there was a ritual associated with them, from them turning from what they were doing to turning toward Christianity. They would, um, they would come... And usually it was a few hours before dawn on Easter Sunday. They would come and there would be a long worship service where they would recount all of the stories of God, beginning with creation. And, 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 they would, and they would, there would be praying and singing. And then right not too long before dawn, the, the new initiates, those who'd gone through this teaching and fasting, they would face the west, which was where the darkness was still, correct? And they would renounce, they would renounce evil. We still do this today, by the way. We don't necessarily face the West. But when someone is baptized, we ask the parents or we ask the adult, trusting in the gracious mercy of God, do you turn from the ways of sin and renounce evil and its power in the world? We still do this today. I mean, we don't necessarily have them face one way or the other. We don't necessarily do it at dawn. But, so, they would, they, so they would face the darkness, and they would renounce it. And then they would turn to the east, where what was happening? The sun was rising. Jesus is the light of the world, remember. And they would, and they would make their affiliation with the light of the world. They would make their affiliation with the one who gave himself for us. Be imitators of God. Be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. So, 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 that's, so that's the bond that they're in then. So this whole community has made this profession. They've, they've made this, um, they've, they've, they've bonded together around this belief in following Jesus and belief in this God of love, this self-offering God who in Jesus revealed to them and to us that we are beloved children. That all people are not condemned forever. That there is redemption to be found and a new life to be found. And then that new life, that living in love, then brings out of it all of these actions, all of these changes as we seek to, as we seek to imitate, be imitators of God. And so Paul writes, so putting away falsehood, let, a, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Like I said last week, that, you know, speaking the truth in love. But you, like I said last week, you know what happens if you come to me and you say, Joel, I want to speak the truth in love to you? I say, how about next week? Right? That's usually how we use that phrase. And I, and I, and I, and I spun that a little bit last week to say, you know, speaking the truth in love means to, can't, can't, should also mean, I think, to speak the truth in love, meaning to tell people how valuable they are. To tell people how loved they are. 
by you, by God. To speak the truth in love is to, is to say those things because we, we, we don't do it enough. We don't do it enough for each other. There's too many of us walking around thinking that nobody cares or nobody notices. Yesterday, Jennifer and I uh, stopped in this, in this little hole-in-the-wall place that's near our house. We'd, we'd really never been there. It changes names about every six months, and so we were always like, well, what's going on there? But, so we stopped in, and, and, uh, and, and we were having a drink, waiting for Adam to get off of work, and, and um, the, 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 the bartender there um, you know, come, comes over, comes over to us, and she and she she brought us our drinks, and she set them down, and she sort of she looks at Jennifer, and she looks away, and she looks back, and she says, "You're beautiful," and then just walks away. Like, how often you get that, right? I mean, I mean, Jennifer gets it all the time at home, but. Um, but you know, I mean, how 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 often do we say do we just stop just for a, and there's there was no other intention other than to just note what she had just seen. There was no manipulation there. There was no she wasn't trying to get a big tit. I don't think, you know, speaking the truth, truth in love. Let us all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. What if we did that? What if, and what if we? And if what? And what if we? Because we're members of one another, we, we did speak those hard truths to each other. But we did it. We did it in love. Be angry. This is so interesting to me because so many of us uh, were brought up uh, in 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 the if we were brought up in the Christian faith and and we were taught that Christians don't get angry. Have you met Jesus? I mean, he threw some tables over one time in the. In the temple. Now we can talk about that story some, but 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 it says, you know, be angry that somehow there are there must be appropriate things to be upset about and to be angry about, but do not sin. I'm still trying to figure out exactly what that means. But here's where you get this other thing. Don't let the sun go down on your anger, and don't make room for the devil. Because I think as you follow along that whole phrase, what you realize is that. If you're angry and you stay angry, you're opening yourself up for all kinds of not good things. Because if you're angry with somebody and you don't and you don't and you don't deal with it, you know, you're going to make snide comments to them or about them. You're going to you're going to do things, you know, if you're angry with your child, you know, you, you may just not, not not do their laundry. You may put their toys in a trash bag. Never done such a thing. No. Instead of dealing with what you need to deal with, right? Or with or or with your spouse or your lover or you know your best friend or whatever, you may just you may give them a cold shoulder, and that makes room for all kinds of other foolishness. Don't make room for the devil. Don't make room for someone to to deceive you and to cause you to act in in a different way. Again, remember this is all out of this new life that they're coming, this new affirmation and this new community and that they're seeking to live into, that this is, this is coming out of that new life. This is not necessarily prescription, even though it feels like it. I love this one. Thieves must give up stealing. And everybody goes, yep, thieves must give up stealing. That's right, because, because you, know, you shouldn't take somebody else's stuff. That's not what it says here, though. It says thieves should give up stealing so that they might labor and work honestly with their own hands to have something to share with the needy. 
not just because I shouldn't take Bill's stuff. It's I should, I should be working so that I can give to the needy, not just to take care of my own needs. So think about that, Christians, as you think about the job that you have and what its purpose is in your life. Are our jobs just to make us more comfortable? Maybe to provide for our retirement? But definitely as Christians, it's so that we can help provide for those in need. Let that sit in your gut for a little while. That challenged me a lot, a lot this week. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths. Good luck. I I mean, I don't know about you, but evil talk is always about right here. And I sometimes have to clamp down and get my tongue a little bloody just to, just to make sure that it doesn't, doesn't come out either. And sometimes it's, all, it's about me. It's evil talk to myself. It's, it's, not, it's, not that I'm, you know, it's not that I'm evilly talking about someone else, but it might be about myself, that I'm talking evilly to myself. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And we often think of grace as this very namby-pamby, soft sort of word. And I don't think grace is a, is a soft word at all. I think grace is a hard word because it is hard to extend grace to people. Because I think extending grace to people also means that we speak the truth to them. That that is graceful and that we do it with grace. Do you know that the word um, forgive in the Greek... Is it, it's charis oh my, and charis is grace, and so it literally for, to forgive is to extend grace. That's why it's so hard. It's because you're extending, extending grace. Only what is useful for building up is there is need, so your words might give grace to those who hear. Um, do not grieve the Holy Spirit, uh, with which you were marked as a seal. Um, uh, for the day, for the day of redemption, and you know what a seal was or is. You know when someone, when a, an official decree was made, the king or the pope or whoever would would make a seal. They take their ring and they take some wax and they, or they'd use the family seal. Like it was marked as this is mine. I said this. I did this. You know, or I own this sort of thing. Um, in, in baptism, what we talk about is, is that you were marked, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. That baptism, um, this water and the Word, is a, is a sign and a seal of that we belong to God. That the Holy Spirit has put the seal on us and said, this one is mine. This is my beloved child. So be careful about grieving the Holy Spirit, and I think that's with our talk. Put away from you, now here's, this is, this is, it starts to get really interesting now. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wranglings. Anybody wrangle? And slander together with all malice. But here's where it really gets hard. And be kind to one another. Be kind to one another. The Dalai Lama said, My religion is very simple. 
know what he followed up that with? My religion is kindness. Now again, kindness is not a, a, a thing where, you, where, where you're so kind that people just get to wipe their feet on you and do whatever, treat you however they want to treat you, that sort of thing. I think we, mis, we misread that. Oftentimes to be kind to people is to put up those appropriate boundaries, to speak the truth in love, to, speak the, you know, to tell them we love them, but also to tell them that's, that's far enough, we're, that's good, we're done. Be kind to one another. I love this word, tender-hearted. The word in the Greek is, 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 is a great word, yushpraknos. Sounds like it's Russian or something. Yushpraknos. But what it means, a gut-level compassion or empathy, tender-hearted. It's like in your very liver, in your very heart, you're tender towards someone. You have compassion. It's, it's in the midst of you. That that is part of what it, what it means to live in love, tender-hearted, and again, forgiving one another, extending grace to one another, as God in Christ has forgiven, extended grace to you. Therefore, be imitators, be mimics of God. As beloved children, remember, this all comes out of this new identity, this new belief, that they have, they have cleared away all the stuff that has kept them from, from knowing that, that, in, that in creation and then in, the, in, the, in baptism, they were given the Spirit and became a new creation and they are living into that which God created them to be, which is beloved children. And live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. The word there in Greek is paradidomi, which is mean means I hand over. He handed over himself for us. He gave himself over for us. There, is, there's, there are stories about this, but there is no religion that is centered on this sort of understanding, on a self-giving God, giving God's self for the people. And that that is the very basis. That's the very basis for our identity. It's the very basis for our community. Because it is love at its very strongest. To live in love is to live the truth. And as people of faith, as these new creations, as those who have, who, 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 who have come to know ourselves as, as these beloved children, our lives are always to be lived as, as Christ loved us. And so I encourage you to consider a couple of things. What do you believe about yourself? What do you believe about yourself? What have people told you about yourself? Because probably a lot of it is wrong just to be really honest. Because usually what we keep of the things that people told us about ourselves is the bad stuff. I'm not good enough. I'm not cute enough. I'm not black enough. I'm not white enough. I'm not green enough. I'm not purple enough. I'm not rich enough. I'm not whatever enough. I'm not fast enough. We keep, you know, I can't sing good enough. Whatever it is, we, we keep those kinds of things 
And even in our theology, um, in, 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 in Christian theology, we often get taught, you know, you're just evil to the core and, it's, and, and only Jesus makes you good. And when you start to read in here and you start to really see, you begin to see that what Jesus did was broke open all that stuff and cleared it away so that we can see clearly to the heart of the matter which is that we were created to be God's beloved children and we put so much stuff in the way of that that Jesus had to hand himself over so that the curtain could be pulled back and we could see. So what do you believe about yourself? And think about what God believes about you, that you are a beloved, beautiful child, that you are capable of things beyond what you can imagine, that you were made to live in love and that you are invited, if you aren't part of this community, you are invited to be part of this community as a beloved child, to become those who follow Jesus and who live in love. May we do just that. In Jesus' name, amen.